Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, diggers, pickers, and thrifters, welcome to another thrilling episode of the Completely Mental Misadventures of a Thrift Store. My name is Matt Lehman. I'm the owner of Finders Thrift and Vinyl in La Quinta, California, where our episodes are recorded and warehoused. To my left today, we have a change in the lineup. Uh, we'll talk about that in just a minute. I'd first like to introduce him. His name is Doobie. Doobie, welcome to the team. What's up, guys? Glad to be here. So, as I said, uh, Frankie is not here. Frankie and I are probably going to do some sort of adventure in another podcast, which will be more in tune with his life or our lives together. Um, while he loves the completely mental misadventures, since he's not working at the thrift store anymore, um, it, it doesn't give him a chance to express his brilliance. So we're working on something else, so stay tuned and we'll give you more information on that when it comes available, when we kind of figure out what avenue we're going to go down. We're open to suggestions, so if you have anything you think you'd like us to do or have an idea, we have a couple ideas, but we haven't really ironed them out. Um, that's where we are with that. And Doobie also does storage auctions. Um, I'm going to turn it over to him and let him discuss a little bit more about his background and history. All right. So I started about 10 years ago. Much like a lot of people out there, I got hooked on the show Storage Wars, and that's what drove me into getting into auctions. Um, Dead for about a year really heavy. I was buying everything and anything I could get my hands on. Uh, took a step back, was playing football, going to college, um, did other things. I was bouncing for a long time. Then I uh, started getting back into storage auctions this year, and it's been going great, going full throttle into it. Probably bought about 20 units so far this year. You've probably bought more units than I have then. I don't, I only buy, I only buy when I need, um, and my shop is usually full, so I'll wait till my box truck is empty, and then when my box truck is empty, I'll go out and buy another one. Um, I would prefer to go to all the auctions, but the, obviously the, being tied to a brick and mortar changes that, um. But now you, where do you primarily sell then if you're buying 20, if you bought 20 already? So I primarily sell on Facebook Marketplace and OfferUp, and I've been going up to the Yucca Valley Swap Meet. Okay, so you do Swap Meets and online as well. You do not do eBay? I do not yet. Okay. Um, that could be an interesting avenue for us since I am, I, I don't want to sound arrogant here, but I'm pretty sure I'm... I've been on eBay a lot longer than most of the people that are podcasting. Um, and I'm not saying that I'm better at it or worse at it or anything. I'm just saying I know I've been on eBay since 98, um, which is about, I think, when they started. I remember when they came out. And I've talked about this a little bit in the past. I remember when they came out where if you sold something on eBay, you waited uh, seven. You waited for them to send a check or a money order, and then you waited seven days for it to clear, and then eBay held that payment, uh, I think. Yeah, I think you had to put it in an eBay bank account or something to that effect. And then you shipped the item to them. And then when they approved it, eBay would release your funds. Unless it's similar to where it is now. It's like if, you're, if you've been with eBay for 90 days and you have good positive feedback, then you get your money right away. But if you're just starting out, then you have to wait a, a grace period. So I've been through all of the ups and downs with eBay's, but that could be an interesting avenue. I can show you the ropes and some of the tricks on eBay. They're they're changing quite a bit, and this this new payment method that they're shooting for, I'm not real happy about it. But 
hopefully they iron the kinks out before I... They, they send me an email almost every day asking me to join, uh, I think it's managed payment or something, and I refuse to do it. At some point, everybody will have to do it, but I'm pushing it until the very last minute. So, how is... I haven't done swap meets in seven years. How, how is the Yucca Swap Meet? Yeah, swap meet, surprisingly, even though it's hot in the summer, it's a little bit cooler up there, so you get a lot of early birds. Uh, it opens at 6 a.m., and uh, I usually leave around 11 or noon. That's when it starts dying out. Technically, it's over at 3, but by noon, there's not really anybody there. Now, is that is that in-season as well? Because here in the desert, obviously, we're seasonal. By noon on, in the summer, it's 115. Even in Yucca, it's about 104, 105, so people bug out. But in season, when in the winter, is it still shut down by noon? No, in season, it's going to go straight to 3. Um, I, I was up, see, I used to have a shop in, or I was partnered with a shop up in Yucca Valley, and so I'd hit that swap meet every once in a while. I originally, before I opened the shop, had considered selling at that swap meet, um, but I didn't, I didn't do it because I really didn't like the drive. I didn't want to, I didn't want to drive all the way. It's an hour for me one way, so... And if you're open at 6 and you have to leave, i got to leave here by 4.30 or 5. And that's one of the main reasons I opened a shop is I didn't want to have to kill my weekends and go to swap meets. And the biggest thing was at that point I didn't have a box truck, so I had a trailer. So if you have a trailer going to a swap meet and you bring all your crap home or you pack all your crap up in the morning, what do you do with your trailer when it's fully loaded in a normal neighborhood where people can just pilfer through it unless you sleep outside or or get up at 3 o'clock in the morning to load your truck? Neither one of those is an enticing opportunity for me. So what is your strategy? So I totally agree. Uh, luckily for me, I have no trailer. <laughs> I have my, uh, my minivan that I just load up with as much stuff as I can, stuff I know that will move. I uh, do it usually the day before. And then uh, drive up there. Uh, I usually leave about 4 in the morning, get up there at 5, set up, and then uh, come back home and unload what didn't sell. Now, do you have, do you have a designated spot up there? Because Yucca, that Yucca Squat Meet is kind of interesting in the fact that they lock it over the week, and you can have a pre-standing booth where you can just put your tarps or plastic or whatever over your stuff and leave it there and then come back next weekend and resell it and supposedly it's secure i don't know how secure it is but um do you do you do that or no you just take it all up there one at a time yeah just one at a time yeah uh i think i i I, i'm just not sure that i trust yucca valley to leave my shit alone (laughs) on tables outside no offense to yucca valley they're a good good group of people uh that's that's fun um do you pick while you're while you're there? Like, do you, do you get a chance to run around and see what else other people are buying? Now, see, you don't sell online, so it wouldn't be any wouldn't really be advantageous for you to, unless to some degree, because then you're just taking it from one booth to your booth and raising the price on it. Unless you're selling it on online, like Facebook or somewhere. Yeah, uh, for me, I I like the swap meets because I get to go around and pick up what people don't know what they're underselling. So. Last week, um, we discussed with um, Frankie that there was a, a storage unit that went for $4,000, and I kind of have a little more background on that. If you missed that episode or haven't read it yet or listened to it and you're uh, getting ready to catch you up real fast, there was an online unit that went for $4,000, and uh, we figured the person that bid must have had some sort of inside scoop because they went and paid for it, and there's no other way that 
anybody that we didn't know who they were that there's no way that a newbie would spend $4,000 on a unit. Well, I had talked to the manager when I went to pick up my two units at the same facility, um, which I was lucky to get because while they were bidding on the big ones, the, the little fish slipped through their fingers and they ended up being pretty big scores. And I'll get to those in a minute. Uh, the $4,000 unit, I talked to the manager, and she said she had to call her general manager in to accept the payment for that because it was too large of an amount for her to take in. And so the general manager walked the buyer to the unit to take the keys off and to take the locks off. Uh, and he said the buyer was telling him more information about the previous owners than they knew already. Uh, it turns out he was the, the owner was actually a producer, lives in Brentwood or Beverly Hills, um, she gave me the name, and I looked it up, but there were two of them with very similar names, so it could have been one of two different people. But she also said that her, his mother was a very, very famous singer in the 20s and 30s, um, but didn't say, didn't remember who it was, just said that it was very, very famous, and he had heard who, who it was, but couldn't remember her name after that. So obviously he had some sort of inside scoop to drop four grand, which makes me curious as to what was actually in a four thousand dollar unit. That's that's impressive. Um, that's I think that's the largest unit I've seen go. Uh, but so I got two units. I paid two twenty for one and two hundred for the other. The first one was interesting. It was a doctor. He had some art from the eighties. Most of it was typical eighties art, but there was also a leather couch. Um, which we kept for Chelsea. There was some um, other stuff, and it was well worth it. I mean, I had three TVs in it, and they were all smart TVs, pretty much brand new in the box, and a bunch of other cool stuff. But the second unit, second unit was the money unit for sure. If you follow my Instagram, most of this stuff is already out or has been sold or is coming through. This was a tarot card unit. This is a lady that had so many esoteric books and six or seven different decks of tarot cards and angel cards and I Ching cards and um, rocks and crystals and Bibles and just boxes and boxes of books and shells and rocks. and um, But then I got to the dresser in the back and the dresser was, was the money. Um, each drawer had it was a different layer of, of, of jewelry of value. The first one was uh, gold and the first drawer had probably total between... The first day I found some gold and I pulled it out and then the last day I got to that dresser because it was the first thing I loaded and I didn't get a chance to look at it till actually yesterday or the day before. First drawer had probably three grand in scrap weight gold. Now that's just scrap weight. That doesn't include the one ring had at least a three-quarter carat diamond and then the other one had a bunch of little diamonds around it. Um, and then the second drawer was all the amber jewelry. Um, if you saw the post on Instagram, and there's a lot of amber in there. I, that's, I don't know what the value of that is. I have to have somebody to appraise it, and I'm having problems finding somebody in the valley that can appraise amber. I, I might have to take it into L.A. Um, the third drawer was more rocks and tarot cards and costume jewelry, just bags and bags of costume jewelry, more rocks and crystals and tachyon beads and stuff like that. And and then the bottom drawer had more gold in it, and it had a Tiffany & Company ruby pendant with three birds on it, vintage that has sold in the past for twelve to 1500 bucks. So that unit was awesome. Um, that is, that's one of the reasons I do it is because you never know what you're going to get. And if you had seen this unit, I probably should start taking pictures of stuff. If you had seen the unit before, you probably would be like, oh, that's going to be a lot of work. Because from the front, you could see kind of a janky fridge. Um, 
and I'm not normally a big fan of refrigerators because they just don't sell, and if they're not working, then you just got scrap metal, and they're worth about $4 in scrap metal. Then there was another mini fridge with the missing door, boxes of books that were all crumpled and folded over, and then just bags and bags of grocery bags that have been tied off, and that usually is the sign of a homeless person. And out here in the desert, I don't know how it is in the rest of the world, but if you start seeing bags that are tied, or you start seeing rocks, or you start seeing boxes of books, you know that it's most likely a tweaker or a homeless person unit. The books, not so much, but sometimes. Like you'll, I'm not sure if they're just nothing better to do so they read, but I do tend to find a lot of paperbacks in homeless units. The way that works is, a, this is kind of an interesting thing. Yeah, i got to give them credit for being, for the ingenuity of it. Most of the most of the storage facilities out here, again, I don't know how it works in the rest of the world, but out here in the desert, they will give you normally some sort of break on rent, like first month's free or two months rent for three months and you get two months free or three and three and three, something like that. So what happens is this group of homeless people will get together and one of them will go in and rent the unit with the special so they'll get it for three months and only pay for one month. And then when that time is up, they'll get evicted in four months because it usually takes about a month before them to process the paperwork. So they really get four months for the price of one or two. Then they get evicted and all their crap is left in the unit, but they don't really care about it because it's just a dirty mattress and whatever crap they didn't take with them because they knew they were being evicted anyway. And then another person in the group goes in the next month and gets the unit for another four months, and then they just keep rotating them in and out until they and they all have a place to sleep. So it's pretty clever how they're how they're saving rent and getting shelter from the heat. Um, but you have to be very very careful when you buy storage units out here. And this one. I didn't think it was a homeless unit because it was just so much stuff, but I really kind of felt like it was a real 50-50 shot of it could be it could be a hoarder tweaker, or it could have been, and I've seen this more often than not, especially out here, is someone has passed away and their child has become dependent on something, some substance, and they keep the unit, mom or dad's unit, as long as they can and fill it up with their crap until they lose it. Or they go through it and pull out the valuable stuff as much as they can and then walk away from it. So you have to be very, very careful out here when you're buying units. And you have to look for everything. You have to look for footprints in the units and the dust and the dirt. You have to make sure that the facility owners aren't playing games with you. And, and you just really can't trust anybody. Those units, yeah, I'm pretty much I'm done with all those units. I've got to take a couple pieces to Misty still and do the work on the amber, but I just bought one online, which we'll talk about later. Uh, you went to auctions this week. I didn't go on Monday because I had to go look at a record collection, um, which I bought, so I was, I, I didn't have, I had money, but I didn't have enough to make me a worthy adversary at storage auctions, so I, I bailed out. But you went. How was it on Monday? I did, Joe. Uh, it was cool. The first facility we went to had six units. Um, there was actually a lot of bidders there that I haven't seen before, which is surprising, especially in the summer. Usually yeah. that's when people die out and don't go. Yeah, for sure. Usually summers are are the serious buyers, um, and it's usually the guys that will just say, uh, I'll buy the unit, and I'll, especially at the facilities that they'll let you, a lot of times they'll let you continue the rent for them, and, and usually what you do is, especially now going into August and September, you're like, you know what, I'm just going to pay for the rent for the month, and then once it cools off, I'll go empty it out then. And usually that's that's the only people that come in summer are, are the serious bidders. But you got a whole, whole bunch of crappy people? Yeah, there was, a, there was our core group of guys that are usually there, and then there was probably ten randoms that I haven't seen before. 
I see that a lot right after tax season because everybody gets their payday check and they're like, I'm going to go become a millionaire by buying a storage unit. Uh, so you have to be careful with that. That's I don't I don't know why where the influx comes. I don't know why all of a sudden you see more people where they're where they're coming from. Very interesting. So how were the units? Uh, units were okay. A lot of mattresses at that facility in Yay. particular, which is one of my favorites. I don't know about you, Matt. My um, I'm all right. Mattresses suck. They they really suck. But I would take. A mattress, as long as it's not a King mattress and it's a Tempur-Pedic, because I can't lift those by myself, and they end up usually falling on top of me, and I'm trying to drag it in. The unit that I had, the doctor's unit, had four mattresses in it, and that was the reason it went so cheap, is that the one picture, it was double-door unit, so it was almost a 10 by 20 with two doors, but the one picture, you couldn't see anything, because one King mattress was just draped over what you could see were three other mattresses, and you could tell that that was why that was the one reason why nobody bought that unit or why it only went for two hundred. My least favorite thing in a unit is a charcoal grill. Really? Yes, I can't. If if there's a charcoal grill in a storage unit, I will most likely not bid on it. See, mine is mattresses. What what's your beef with mattresses? Well, you don't have a lot of room. You don't have a truck. Yeah, I don't have a lot of room. I usually, if I do happen to buy a unit that has a mattress... Strap it to the top. I have to rent a U-Haul. <laughs> take it straight to the dump. You just never know what's on it. Yeah. I've sold one mattress in my career, and it happened to be a king-size Tempur-Pedic that got me a good chunk of change. I don't... I have never sold any mattresses. I gave... Uh, Frankie and I talked about it. I gave a couple to Frankie, and he sold them and made good money. I just won't sell used mattresses just because I don't know what they are. People always ask that that drink. Uh, I'll get back to why I don't like grills in a minute. But people always uh, talk about, ask me why I, don't, I, I never wear gloves or masks or anything when I go through storage units. And I said specifically, and I probably should, um, but the way I look at it is most of those units that we're buying, at least all those units that we buy, have been in storage for at least three months. Um, that's the process for them to to go through the paperwork. I think it's at least sixty, usually ninety days. Um, so you can assume that the stuff has been in storage for at least five months because you have to pay first and last months. So five months in, very few bugs or insects or anything like that can survive in that environment, especially in the desert when it's 120, can knock that up to 130 in the heat. Very few bugs or anything are going to survive that. And you're like, well, what about with all the drugs and hypodermics and stuff like that? I'm like, same thing. There's there's no viruses or bacteria that are going to survive in those conditions. It's disgusting. Don't get me wrong, but um, I do see silverfish quite a bit, but they're not they're not invasive to humans or anything like that. So um, I don't like grills because no one cleans the grill before it goes into storage. So I, and I have a, I have my, my fiance listens to this or my, one of my other, either of my friends listen to this, they're going to laugh because I'm actually telling this. I have, it's not a phobia, but I don't like stuff on my hands. I don't mind dirt and that's why I don't wear gloves, it doesn't bother me, but I don't like greasy, oily things on my hands like chicken, like dealing with raw chicken. I'm over that one now because we have to feed our Great Dane. We cook our chicken all the time because of her stomach, but, um, but I don't like having grease and oil because I just can't get it off. So I don't like, number one, I don't have to like dealing with grills because they're oily and greasy and nasty. But invariably, they tip over in my truck and then I end up having charcoal dust and crap and garbage food on everything that was nice but now it's not nice. 
so I, I, and I never sell them. They never sell for me unless you clean them. Um, and the only way to really get a good clean on them is to pressure wash them. And so then you got to take an hour to pressure wash a goddamn grill. And then what's it worth? Forty bucks, fifty bucks? Like it's not worth my time. So I, that. so I hate grills. That's my thing. I, I'll take a refrigerator because a refrigerator I could fit in my truck very easily. It doesn't because they're on wheels. You just push them, turn them on the side, kick them back up, and they're good to go. Take them to the dump. Um, mattresses, as long as they're not king size, I mean, I'll deal with them. You just have to deal with them first. They have to be the first thing in the truck. But grills, I can't stand them. Hate them. Hate them. So your units on Monday, did you buy anything on Monday? I did. I bought what? Okay. What was, how was it? What, 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 first of all, what made you buy it and what was, what was in it? So the simple fact, if I can spend five or ten bucks, whatever it is, and make a hundred or two hundred bucks, I'm happy. You and I are in the same boat in that regard um, because I, I am not a big fan. I mean, I, I would love to be a big fan of spending two, three, four, five thousand dollars on a storage unit. But I am looking to at least double my money. If I can double my money, I'm totally happy. And it's so much easier to double your money on a $200 unit than it is a $2,000 unit. Now, I realize that's not necessarily true if you get a really good $2,000 unit. But still, and also, I think the biggest key to part of that is I'm in the resale game. So even if I buy a $2,000 unit that has a $10,000 couch in it, it's a used $10,000 couch. So now it's a $5,000 couch. Where am I going to sell a $5,000 couch? No one, no one that can buy a $5,000 couch is looking on Craigslist for a five. Like, you know what? I could really go for a $5,000 leather couch. It just doesn't happen. Those people that have that kind of money are going to go buy the $10,000 version of it. So now i got to knock it down to $1,000 or $500 or, if I'm lucky, $2,000 just so somebody that can't afford it gets a really good deal and they're happy about it. It's just, it, I, it's just, it's just too hard to play in that big, big market. At least here, anyway. That's that's how I feel about it. But um, so I'd rather stick with just general housewares and not housewares, but I, I like I like units that have funky, weird stuff in it. If it's got, if it's got like a mannequin with a painted face, I'm probably that. I'm probably that guy. Yeah. So you bought one for twenty bucks, and you bought it because. Uh, the number one reason, right in the front, there was a tote, and it had a nice car jack in it, so I figured money back right there. Yeah. And there were some other tools that were visible, and tools are always sellers, you know that. Um, had a bunch of kids' toys, and then had a couple things in the back I can't really see. So, bid 20 bucks, no one else wanted it. Got it and cleared it out in about 10 minutes. How'd you get it for 20 bucks? You said nobody else wanted it. Did it look, did it look tweakery? There was a lot of kids' toys all over the place. Yeah, that's a problem. Had some trash bags. There was definitely some. There was a load of trash yeah. in there, but not a lot. Yeah. I'm a firm believer of. Uh, there's two things that if I see in a storage unit, I tend to tend to shy away or won't bid as much. Number one is kids' toys uh, or kids' bedding uh, or kids' clothing, anything to do with kids, because my theory, and I may get beat up on this, but I think most people agree with me, most people that have kids don't have money because they have kids. Um, So they're not, and that's not always the case, but a lot of times it is. They spend all their money on their kids and their toys and stuff, so the rest of their stuff is not necessarily great. I'm much more interested in the people with a lot of the, the couple that doesn't have kids that has a lot of disposable income to go out and buy cool stuff. Um, the other thing that <laughs> I'm totally fine with saying this. The other thing that I tend to shy away from is if I see Oakland Raider gear, I won't go anywhere near a unit. Um, 
And I realize that's profiling, and I'm totally fine with profiling because it's usually garbage. Agree well, or disagree? Oh, totally agree. Well, the Raiders are garbage, so... <laughs> They're about to be the Las Vegas Raiders, so maybe that'll help them out. I don't know. Uh, those are my two pet... Not pet peeves, but those are the things I look for in storage and You've already cleared it all out. Did you find anything else that was uh, interesting or amazing? A uh, couple pictures that'll probably sell at the swap meet. Um, some random tools, like I said, and then just all the kids' toys. So nothing super spectacular, but definitely going to make money on it. You know what I found... Uh, Kids' toys, I didn't realize this, but I was just talking to somebody the other day, and all one of the things, the only thing that they sell, or one of the few things that they sell and do really well at, are plush toys, like stuffed animals. And I was like, really? It's like, oh yeah, I sell the crap out of them. Online, eBay, all day long, I sell stuffed animals. It's like, I did not know that was a market. Uh, I tend to throw stuffed animals away. So I have to, now I have to, I, I, obviously you learn something every day, so I have to start looking at my stuffed animals more carefully. Well, that takes us to the end of another episode of the Completely Mental Misadventures of a Thrift Store. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please shoot us an email at finderslq at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at finders underscore thrift. And if you're a record guy, finders underscore vinyl. Uh, Dewey, do you want to give your Instagram or any of those accounts? Yeah, sure. Uh, my Instagram's going to be Dewey with three O's, so D-O-O-O-B-I-E. Once again, thanks again for listening. Good luck and happy hunting. Later. Later.